may be seated. I'm Pastor Adam. Glad that each and every one of you are here today. It's good to be gathered with God's people. Uh, We are called by the Spirit to be gathered together to hear God's Word. And as we hear God's Word, we believe that God does a work in us and through us, and that's the work of transformation. He gives us the gift of faith, and then he begins this process of transformation inside of us, where we become more and more like Jesus. And then as we're transformed, we are compelled to go, to go into our world uh, with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. Today, our our first uh, reading, the epistle lesson, is from 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, Beginning with the 18th verse, here the Apostle Paul is writing to first century Christians. First century Christians that were going through some very difficult and hard circumstances, even suffering under the injustice of slavery. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He, that is, Jesus, committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel lesson today is taken from the gospel of John. The 10th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Would you please rise for the reading of the gospel lesson? And here Jesus is speaking. He's addressing these Pharisees. And he says, very truly, I tell you, uh, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. And for that we're grateful that he came to us Gentiles too. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock. And one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. Church, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you speak to us in your word. Uh, you have not left us without a voice. Uh, Lord, your word uh, comes to us today. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that through your word we would experience that work of being transformed. Thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that you are the door or the gate through which we can enter into everlasting life. Remind us today, that, Lord, that there are other voices, there are other uh, shepherds, there are other doors which all lead us astray. So, Lord, give us the discernment that we need today to hear your word, to receive it, and to live it in the power of your grace. To your glory and to your honor, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think the first thing we need to address as we look at this passage today is the reality of false shepherds. The reality of false shepherds or false voices in our life. So there are false shepherds and then there's the good shepherd, Jesus. In our gospel reading, Jesus is clearly warning us about the dangers of being led astray. Uh, the dangers of being led astray and really destroyed by these false shepherds. So we need to be aware of what Jesus is referring to in John 10. He refers to thieves, robbers, strangers, and wolves. These are the counterfeit voices or the counterfeit Leaders, Those voices are those leaders that will take us down a path of destruction. And there are many false shepherds. There are so many false shepherds that I believe that the false shepherds outnumber faithful shepherds. So many voices. So many things that people are telling us in the world today. But there are very few there are very few leading us down the right path. 
Jesus says the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the field. So how do we recognize false shepherds? Well, first of all, by their works, or as Jesus would say, by their fruits, you'll recognize them. But I'm going to say this, not always. Not always. You know, I can present myself as a really terrific guy. And everybody might, might point at me and say, he's a really good guy, but I can still lead you down the wrong path. So first we recognize false shepherds by their works, but not always. And, and this certainly was the case of Old Testament shepherds, the shepherds of Israel. For example, in Ezekiel 34, uh, the Lord spells out the wickedness of Israel's false shepherds. And if you read Ezekiel 34, you'll see that they were doing things and they could be recognized by their fruits. That they didn't have a true love or concern for the flock. False shepherds that can be recognized by their fruit. But we can't always recognize a false shepherd by their works. Uh, author Michael Horton in his book, Christless Christianity, gives this example. Now imagine if Satan took over a city. What would that city look at? What would things look like if Satan really took control of a city? Over a half century ago, Presbyterian minister Donald Gray Barnhouse offered his own scenario in his weekly sermon that was also broadcast nationwide on CBS radio. Barnhouse speculated that if Satan took over Philadelphia, all of the bars would be closed, Pornography would be banished, and pristine streets would be filled with tidy pedestrians who smiled at each other. There would be no swearing. The children would say, yes, sir, and, and no, ma'am. And the, here it is, and the churches would be full every Sunday where Christ is not proclaimed. You get that? The churches would be full every Sunday where Christ is not proclaimed. That is the thing that Satan wants to do. Is he wants to lead us away from Christ. You see, we don't need Satan to make us do nasty things. I don't need Satan to make me a sinner. I'm already a sinner and I can do all sorts of nasty things on my own without the help of Satan. So we can figure the, the nasty stuff out all on our own. Ultimately, Satan is working to lead us away from Jesus. And oftentimes his favorite tool is religion that is void of Christ. So really, it's, uh, the main thing isn't us being good moral people. That's important. The main thing, church, is that we're led to Christ. To trust in Jesus as the one who died upon the cross and rose again for our salvation. So how do we recognize false shepherd? First, by their works, but not always. 
The ultimate test is this. Does the shepherd, does the pastor, does the teacher lead the people closer to Jesus through the proclamation, the faithful proclamation, the faithful teaching of God's word which will always lead us to Christ? When a person preaches or teaches Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and raised from the dead for the salvation of all who repent and believe, that is the test of a good shepherd. Is the shepherd leading you to Christ, to Jesus, to the cross and the resurrection? And and yes, their works also must precede their proclamation of Jesus. We don't discount good works. As Lutherans, we teach that where the gospel is faithfully proclaimed, good works will certainly follow. But the gospel gets to the heart. And it changes the heart. And it isn't until the heart is changed that we can then truly do good works that are pleasing to God. And the freedom that we've received in the gospel. So we don't discount the importance of good works. We never discount the importance of good works. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 15, Jesus said, watch out for what? For false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothes, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. And he says in verse 16, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And he says, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them by their fruit. And I believe that the ultimate fruit is the gospel, the proclamation of Jesus Christ, and the good works, obedience to God's word, which follows good works. So faithful preachers lead the people by drawing them closer to Jesus through the word of God. And here's something else we need to understand, that uh, the shepherds of God's church, the pastors, the elders, the Sunday school teachers those who lead the congregation, they are not the ultimate good shepherd. They are not perfect shepherds. None of us are perfect shepherds. We still have this sinner's nature, this sinful nature, which causes us to mess up and to screw up. So every pastor has messed up. Every elder has messed up. Every Sunday school teacher is still a sinner. The ultimate good shepherd is Jesus, and pastors, teachers, and various church leaders cannot be faithful in leading the flock if they're not faithfully following Jesus, depending upon Jesus, and trusting Jesus for strength in their ministry. So good church leaders are following Jesus. And I ask you, pray for me. Pray for me. Don't cease praying for me. That I would be faithful to follow Jesus. I'm just as prone to wander as anyone else. I can drift off the path into error. 
or sinful living. Something that would profane God's name. So pray for me, pray for our elders, pray for our teachers, pray for all those who have been called within this congregation to serve this church. Why is all of this important? Why is this vital? It's important because the sheep are destroyed by Satan when they're not led to Jesus. That's how Satan destroys us. He destroys us by leading us away from Jesus. And he'll use unfaithful shepherds. And we don't want anybody to be destroyed by Satan. Rather, we do want people to be led to the life that is found in Christ. Because Jesus gives life. And apart from Jesus, there is no life. And that life is, is the Zoe. Remember Easter, if you were here, Zoe, which is eternal life, divine life, life from God. We can have physical life without having life from God. True spiritual life. In Jesus there is life, and Jesus is life abundant. The thief, in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life, zoe, eternal life, and have it to the full. John 1, 45, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Within the Bible, throughout scriptures, there's the contrast of good and evil, of light and darkness, of sheep and wolves. And these are simple concepts that reflect reality. The reality that we live in today indisputably screams that there is good and evil. You don't have to pick up a Bible to recognize that reality. There is good and evil in the world. People are dying from violence in our community. How many of you 20 years ago would ever imagine that the things that we hear about happening in our own community um, would be happening? Of kids get 13 year old getting shot just down the road. Uh, homicides happening with young people within our own community. People are dying from violence in our community. Kids are homeless in our community. Between 500 and 1,000 homeless kids in our school district. Uh, people are choosing to terminate life rather than embrace life as a gift. So we see this contrast between good and evil, light and darkness, of the sheep and the wolves. And the good news for you today is this, evil will never be overcome. And evil will never overcome your good shepherd. Evil tried to overcome our good shepherd Jesus. But upon the cross, evil was crushed and defeated. So I ask you today, 
You may not be facing violence or many of these destructive things that we're experiencing in our community today, but I ask you, what are you facing in life today? What are you going through right now in your life? Does it seem as if evil is winning? Does it seem as if your good shepherd is a million miles from you? You see, these are normal thoughts and feelings, even for Christians. To believe that evil is winning and that your good shepherd is a million miles away. So if you doubt the goodness of your good shepherd, if you doubt his power over evil, that's normal. That's normal. And the Apostle Peter wrote to a people who lived under terrible suffering. That's really the context of, of Peter's letter. Is, of First Peter is that here is a church, here are a group of, of people experiencing horrific things in life. And the Apostle Peter wrote to encourage the believers... In Peter's time, some in the church lived under the wicked bondage of slavery. These early Christians who lived as slaves suffered under the abuse of unjust beatings. And I can't imagine the horror that our, our brothers and sisters in Christ through the centuries and even today have experienced under the injustice of slavery. And as a faithful shepherd, the Apostle Peter led his battered flock back to the Good Shepherd. As the Apostle Peter was being led by the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, he led his flock to the Good Shepherd. In the second chapter of 1 Peter, he recognized his flock suffering under slavery. And what did Peter do? Peter pointed to the Good Shepherd. He pointed to the good shepherd who laid his life down for the sheep. He pointed to the good shepherd who suffered the injustice, unjust unjust beatings. Jesus suffered injustice. Jesus suffered terrible mistreatment. The cross, how horrific. Why did he do this? Because he is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the life of the sheep. And Jesus has sacrificed his life upon the cross for you. So that you would be saved. So Jesus, he understands the pain of this wicked world. He understands it more than we do. Upon the cross, Jesus absorbed the the sin of the world. He took the sin of the world upon himself. But he was victorious. Satan was crushed. Death was defeated when that tomb came, was cracked open. And Jesus is alive today. Know that Jesus is your good shepherd today. You are a sheep under the care of your good shepherd. And by the death and resurrection of your good shepherd, the devil is defeated. It might seem as if the devil's winning today. 
But with the eyes of faith, through God's Word, we're given this gift of faith, and with the eyes of faith, we can see that our Good Shepherd has defeated our ancient enemy. We cannot see the defeat of evil apart from the eyes of faith. And we can't have eyes of faith apart from the Word of God. So by faith, we are confident that though we suffer for a little while, Jesus is victorious. Jesus is our good shepherd who's leading us today. Last thing we need to talk about is how does a person enter into Jesus' fold? Maybe you're listening to me today and you're not sure if you're in the fold, if you're under the care of the good shepherd. If you've entered through the gate into this gift of the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, how does a person enter in to be saved, to be forgiven, and to know that Jesus is your good shepherd today and for eternity in heaven? Well, Jesus gives us two metaphors to help us understand. The first metaphor is the metaphor of a shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. We've been talking about that already. And the good shepherd cares for his sheep. But the second metaphor is that of a door. Or I believe in the translation we were reading this morning, the metaphor of a gate. A door or a gate through which one must pass through. So Jesus said, I am the door. I am the gate. Jesus said, uh, in other words, I am the way. He is the passageway through which we enter into salvation, the forgiveness of sins, everlasting life. Two metaphors, shepherd and door. But I've wondered, why is Jesus mixing metaphors? Why doesn't he just make it easy and give us one metaphor? I was told by my seminary professor, you should never mix metaphors when you preach. But here Jesus is mixing metaphors. The metaphor of a shepherd and of a door. But I believe that those who listened to Jesus, uh, they understood. And Jesus was not mixing metaphors. He wasn't mixing metaphors. How? In Jesus' time, during the night, shepherds would lead their sheep into a protective pen, which is a a stone wall. And there would be an opening for the sheep to enter through. And so at night, the the shepherd would lead the sheep to the pen. They would enter into the pen. And then the shepherd would sleep. He would lay across the entrance. Serving as both the shepherd and the gate or the door. So Jesus is the door through which we enter. Jesus is also the good shepherd who protects us through evil. The one who entered over the wall is a thief and a robber, a stranger or a wolf. Jesus is the only way of salvation. Any message that bypasses Jesus, that goes around Jesus, that that goes over the wall, any message that bypasses Jesus or provides a a means of salvation apart from Jesus, is not from the Good Shepherd, but from the evil one. 
even if the message sounds so good, and they speak of peace and of harmony and of goodwill towards others, if it bypasses Jesus, it's dangerous. What is good is that which leads us to the good shepherd. And the devil wants more than anything to lead us away from Jesus. But thanks be to God, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to destroy the works of the devil. And he is our good shepherd. Have you entered by the gate? Have you entered by the door? Have you come to Jesus, your good shepherd? And repentance and faith, turning from sin and wickedness to trust in him? Or are you still wandering from the fold of God? So I have a challenge for you this week. A bit of a theme for us. We have challenges after every sermon for some weeks now. Challenge is very simple. Listen to the voice of your good shepherd this week. Listen to the voice of your good shepherd this week. Listening to Jesus isn't an esoteric mumbo-jumbo thing. It's, it's not something for the, the super spiritual and those who are superly spiritually in tune. You don't have to have something special. You actually are given something very ordinary to listen to Jesus. As ordinary as your, as your Bible that's how the Good Shepherd speaks to you. So the only way we're going to be strengthened as a church, the only way we're going to have a foundation upon which we can build our mission is if we're grounded in God's Word. The only way we will be able to lead this community away from destruction to Jesus is if we're following Jesus. And the only way we can be following Jesus is by opening the Scriptures and listening to what our Good Shepherd has to say to us. So the challenge has really been the same from week to week. That is to be a person who's in the Word of God. Open the Bible. I had one person come up to me and she had tears in my eyes. She said, I've, I've been reading the Scripture all week and I've never felt so close to God. That's because it's God's Word. That's, that's because the Good Shepherd who loves you is speaking to you through His Word. So open up the Bible in prayer and meditation upon his word. You can even highlight and underline things in your Bible as you read. Maybe Jesus is telling me this, so I'm going to underline this. I'm going to pray on this. I'm going to seek to obey this. I'm going to seek to believe this and find comfort in this. Some of us might be starting for the first time uh, in reading our Bibles. And, and that's great. Uh, talked to a lady and uh, she said, you know, you, you, you encouraged me to read my Bible. This is actually uh, a neighbor um, who came to church and she said, you know, you've been encouraging me, encouraging me to read my Bible. I, uh, I, I, I don't know where to start. And I said, well, start with John, the Gospel of John. Start with the, with the ABCs. Maybe you've been following Jesus forever. Maybe you should go back to John. Go back to the beginning. 
and read his word. When Jesus speaks something to you, it touches you, it convicts you. Maybe maybe you're going to read something that's going to make you feel rotten inside. That's good. All right, that's a good thing because we need to repent of sin. All right. Maybe you've been feeling fear. Maybe you've been sensing uh, some sort of confusion or difficulty in life and you receive a promise. Underline that promise and then memorize it. That's how we hear the voice of our Good Shepherd. That's how we receive wisdom, which is amazing. And, and let his voice drown out all the other voices. It's hard to do. Turn that phone off. Put the silence thing on for maybe 15 minutes so you can read without your phone going off and bugging you. You don't need to be some super spiritual theologian, a theological brainiac. You just open the Bible. You're not going to understand everything. It's okay. But open the Word this week. Drown out, let the, the voice of, of, uh, of your good shepherd drown out all the other voices. Because church, there are countless counterfeit voices. And we need to be led by the voice of our good shepherd. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our good shepherd today. Lord, I pray that we would truly be led by you. That we would hear your voice through your word. That you would lead us to those places which the scripture speaks of. Streams of living water. Bearing fruit in its season. Producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Lord, all these good things. Not by what we do. But because of your grace. Because of your mercy. We thank you for these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.